Welcome to the podcast where heavy industrial industries meet the venture capital ecosystem, interviewing both thought-leading investors and pioneering founders to better understand the opportunities and challenges that lie ahead for digital industrial innovation. Your host is Ty Finley, and this is the Heavy Hitters Podcast. Usman Shuja joins us today from Atlanta, Georgia. Usman is the Chief Commercial Officer for Honeywell Connected Enterprise, where he has global responsibility for M&A, venture investments, strategic partnerships, strategy, marketing, sales transformation, and commercial excellence for the software business for Honeywell. Some notable partnerships he's announced range from earlier stage companies like Nozomi Networks to large tech incumbents, including SAP and Microsoft. Prior to joining Honeywell, Usman was a founding member and the chief commercial officer for Spark Cognition, a prominent AI enterprise software company that has a large focus on industrial end markets. And before that, he was a strategy consultant with the Boston Consulting Group. Usman is also a member and contributor on the Forbes Technology Council. Usman, it's been really fun uh, discussing this explosion of digital industrial innovation over the last several years with you, and, and I'm really excited to have you on the Heavy Hitters. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Awesome. Well, Usman, your role definitely is no small task within that Fortune 100 company. I, I believe current market caps around 142 billion. C- can you walk our listeners through your background that led you into digital industrial applications and, and ultimately your role at Honeywell? Sure. Look, it all started in uh, 2009 when I was looking out of the window of uh, Ford F-150 assembly line observation deck. I was an MBA uh, intern at Ford IT, and they had arranged a visit for me and other interns to go see how Ford assembly line works. Trucks were coming through, uh, and the robotic arms working, and the automation was just fascinating, and I was uh, fixated at that assembly line. It was a beautiful ballet, and I vividly remember, you know, that kind of uh, got my mind thinking about uh, industrial technologies, automation, and I wanted to be close to industrial automation. And and at that time, digital transformation, artificial intelligence was not really a topic, but that kind of got things moving for me. And since then, um, uh, after MBA, I moved, uh, started with Boston Consulting Group, where I got a chance to work with industrial software companies, especially doing Salesforce effectiveness uh, types of projects. And then uh, I was very blessed to have this opportunity, ran into Amir Hussain, who's the founder and CEO of Spark Cognition. And he was uh, embarking on this journey of um, building an artificial intelligence company that would address challenges of the industrial world. And what caught my attention at that time was what he said, the industrial world is going to produce so much data that humans will not be able to make sense of it. And the second implication of that is that there will be cybersecurity implications. And when the cyber physical world comes together and it starts producing data, we got to address this and there's no better way to do this uh, other than artificial intelligence. So with that journey, uh, we both started uh, building the company and uh, evangelizing digital transformation, artificial intelligence for the industrial world. And uh, we solved some really big problems across uh, oil and gas, utilities, aerospace, defense, and manufacturing, and grew the company quite a bit uh, until CDC. And, and then uh, uh, Honeywell uh, 
uh, came in the picture. And what uh, drove me towards Honeywell was it's a very practical approach to digital transformation. At Spark Cognition, I had seen a lot of uh, big companies stumble upon uh, taking digital transformation seriously and not getting it right. But Honeywell was doing it right uh, from what I could tell from outside in. And that kind of drew me towards Honeywell. And Honeywell has ambitious goals to be an industrial software company. And uh, that transform transformation was uh, had begun. And I was um, asked to join to uh, expedite that. And uh, the CEO told me, Swan, come join us and teach us how to market and sell software. And that has been my uh, big mission. Uh, and I'm in the front and center of the transformation that Honeywell is going through uh, and adding both organic and inorganic growth uh, for Honeywell to be an industrial software company. Well, uh, awesome journey. And from the roots on the m 50 line to strategy leader to understanding how early stage uh, industrial adoption is moving now, now getting to land within Honeywell, they, they picked up a big home run, in my opinion. So I, I think most of our listeners are, are very familiar or familiar with Honeywell. But can you tell us a little bit more about Honeywell Connected Enterprise, specifically your role day to day as a chief commercial officer for the group? And what areas you guys are focused on? So uh, th there were a lot of muscles that Honeywell did not have as a as an industrial company. So, uh, for example, partnering as a software company is very different from partnering as an industrial company. So that mindset, that uh, muscle, similarly uh, acquisitions and venture investments uh, in a hardware company versus a software company is very different. So over the last one year, I've been focused on finding those opportunities and creating those muscles, uh, including marketing, right? So, so the teams, so there were some pockets of teams that were already working on it, but they needed a boost or different set of capabilities. So I have been focused on building a lot of these capabilities and then transforming some of them. So sales, Honeywell has a pretty good legacy and customer base and, and a good excellence in sales. There I'm focused on transforming it to be a software selling company, uh, also um, to be consultative and strategic uh, selling, while in other areas I'm building capabilities from ground up. So there's a lot of investment done in my areas, such as uh, strategic partnerships and uh, venture, M&A, uh, marketing has been a big focus, and then um, and then there are other areas where I'm optimizing it for uh, to be an industrial software company. So my day to day is building new teams, uh, bringing in new talent, uh, coaching some of the existing talent, um, and it's all fun. No, it sounds like a, a mission critical component to the future story of Honeywell. So exciting to see where you guys are taking uh, HCE ahead. And, and you mentioned something that comes up in, in a lot of discussions with digital industrial founders and even some of the folks that have been on the podcast. It's it's an understanding of sales and marketing specifically, right? Far far beyond the product or tech that, it, you know, these are challenging go-to-market realities. So maybe building off the explanation of, of HCE, can, can you explain to the listeners how your group and, and now the Forge family of offerings that were announced last summer are approaching the market differently than maybe you've seen other large industrial cumber efforts we, we've seen to date? I would be curious to hear your thoughts on that. 
yeah. Look, we have taken a very different approach to uh, going to market. So one is the product offering to begin with. Honeywell Forge is not a platform. It's an enterprise performance management suite of applications that customers or our legacy Honeywell can build complete businesses around or use them to solve a particular problem. So it could be performance related problem, it could be sustainability, it could be enabling remote operations, uh, but it's not a platform approach. We have taken our domain knowledge and encoded into our core capabilities where we can extend those capabilities to build applications that are SaaS in nature. So with that, we also need the right uh, sales capabilities and go to market capabilities. And um, we have our own sales team. We are not dependent completely on uh, the legacy Honeywell sales team. While we work very closely with them, we do have our independent sales team. We also are investing quite a bit in marketing, just like a SaaS company, to have uh, thought leadership, to dra drag um, uh, a lot of the um, uh, conversations that happen in independent channels, media, to bring them and uh, run a funnel just like a SaaS company and then convert them into leads. That muscle is very different uh, for SaaS. So we are building that and we have made a lot of progress in that. And then, but most importantly is this consultative selling to the C-suite. Hardware companies have typically not done that. So that's a muscle that we have built and we are continuing to build and elevating the conversations. So those are the three big things that uh, come to mind when uh, when we talk about the transformation and how we go to market and both on the product positioning product uh, market fit as well as the go to market we have taken a fairly pragmatic and bold approach to it and making significant progress towards it yeah and when, when i see you know a couple of the partnerships we mentioned earlier um you guys partnered up with microsoft on their azure platform so they bring their strengths to the table where you bring your strengths and then with sap the smart building initiative um it, it really does seem like the right type of go-to-market strategy at least from from what i've seen so far even with that approach uzman i'd be curious to hear where where are still the challenges um to help lead that industrial conglomerate into digital transformation where you can sell more software? What, what are still some of the big friction points? Look, uh, I think the biggest thing is um, culture, right? Um, uh, that requires um, a lot of education, a lot of uh, awareness, a lot of uh, will to, to change. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the company has 100 years of uh, hardware legacy and services legacy. Uh, innovation that happens very differently. So transforming that, while there's a lot of willingness to change, it's, it takes time. It takes time. It takes um, a lot of uh, commitment from the leaders, which, uh, which makes Honeywell a great place because we have, from the top leadership, there's a lot of commitment to make that transformation. But I think culture is one. Uh, the second is uh, the... Um, go to market as i mentioned right while we are building we have to transform while hitting the target that i always find challenging and we got to sometimes think, experiment and see what's working what's not working make uh, changes uh, on the fly uh, I, in my mind i think those are the two things and 
and we have made significant progress on both of those. When you look at HCE's culture, it's very much like a startup entrepreneurial software company based in Midtown. Our, a lot of our executives have come from startups and uh, software companies, and um, we are hiring that kind of talent. We are able to attract it. But overall, it still is a um, long-term journey, and we are continuing on that path, and we're making progress, but um, that's something that I feel uh, requires consistent attention. It could, couldn't resonate more strongly with the culture from living within the Boeings and GEs. Um, lots of um, really important initiatives and, and leadership from the top, but it has to permeate the entire organization to really sink its teeth in. So um, excited to hear you guys are headed down that path. So our listeners also love hearing where trends are headed and, and different in markets where, where adoption is or where, where there's some bigger hurdles than others. So Forge, um, your product solution suite uh, ranges across many industrial applications from manufacturing equipment, airlines, connected buildings. So as the chief commercial officer, where are you seeing the most progressive end markets, if we'll call it that way, toward digital industrial applications? And you know, maybe on the backside of that, COVID is a reality of 2020. Where has there been any shift or acceleration of digital adoption within any of those verticals? Well, I think it's a very good question. One, COVID has impacted a lot of industries. In the case of digitization, I think it has impacted positively uh, in most cases. So. When I look at our landscape, Honeywell is playing in, as you mentioned, in aerospace, defense, buildings, chemicals, manufacturing, oil and gas. Uh, but where I see uh, significant traction is in buildings, uh, pharmaceuticals, and warehouses, right? The, these three, uh, definitely the, the market trends have just accelerated beyond digital transformation. Um, Digital transformation has accelerated across the board, whether it's oil and gas, even if they're struggling um, right now, there, there is a wave of um, accelerated digital transformation. Uh, it's across the board, but the three that come to mind that um, are really going fast would be buildings, pharma, and warehouses. And uh, one that is definitely behind would be aerospace uh, airlines, uh, just because of where things are in the industry and um, as because of covid as satya nadella said right uh, we have made we're making two years worth of progress in two months so things are accelerating in the right um, direction for digital transformation so there is a big opportunity right now uh, because customers are asking for higher availability they're asking for better performance with 30 percent fixed cost and they're also asking for remote operations to be enabled, whether you're running a factory or a rig or any operations they want to be able to run remotely. And that could only happen through digital transformation. So um, uh, across the board, uh, minus airlines, uh, but the three that come to mind would be buildings, pharma and warehouses. Gotcha. And maybe I'll ask you on the back of that to, to put, um, call it your startup hat back on. What, what I'm seeing is there's a there's this great juxtaposition where this is absolutely catalyzing change within large organizations and there's very far and few between moments to to catalyze that type of change 
but there's an equal and opposite reality to your point around hitting targets. And so as we watch Q2, Q3 earnings calls, it's still pretty rough sledding, let alone, you know, some groups even still having to go through the furloughing process. So as we talk to startups around being capital efficient so that the opportunity is coming around the bend, but do know if the, if these, you know, Fortune 100 companies, let alone um, the other customer bases are going through some, some pretty rough budgeting cycles still with a lot of uncertainty as we'd even go into the year, you know, be capital efficient to make sure you're still around to take advantage of when those opportunities and they can actually buy. Do you do you follow that? Is that um, uh, a false premise or is that aligned with how you're seeing the market for if you were thinking about it from an early stage perspective? No, absolutely. Uh, I think both at Spark Cognition and um, at uh, Honeywell, one thing was true. Both Amir uh, was very um, uh, capital um, disciplined, um, and Honeywell is also very disciplined about. And look, at the end, the business fundamentals have to be um, intact. So you can't go and do random things that justify business fundamentals. So, um, um, so I, I definitely subscribe to it. Uh, you you got to stick to those um, basic fundamentals to be efficient with your capital, be disciplined with your capital, and make everything count. Yep, for sure. So, uh, also kind of thinking about your startup background, um, it is very unique to see someone. Uh, chief commercial officer helping drive the software agenda within a Fortune 100 company. Uh, and then on the flip side, founding member, chief commercial officer for, you know, even when you and I were discussing Spark Cognition very early days that went into a, a hyper growth phase. What is the secret sauce on either side of that equation? Kind of back to this selling in these industrial solution, digital industrial solutions. Um, is there a difference of approach or any key lessons learned to help uh, founders on either side of that equation to make sure that they're being thoughtful about um, selling these solutions in? Look, I've been uh, very blessed to find success in both um, a large company and as a startup. And I think um, there are a lot of different reasons for that, but a couple that come to mind, one we just talked about, basic fundamental uh, for, for business, running a business, right? That's mm -hmm. one. The other one that I think a lot of tech startups and tech founders and uh, investors tend to forget is respecting and learning about the domain. While people talk about, yes, I like domain and especially in the industrial world, they do not give it as much attention. And I think one thing that I, when I look back, I always respected it and I made an effort to understand what happens on the shop floor, understand happen, understanding what's going through the minds of the people using the software um, and the stuff that we're going to produce and respecting that because in the end, the, the winner will have to create a new hybrid of talent, a talent that understands domain as well as tech and that uh, there has been friction for a very long time uh, but that needs to go away by by producing talent that understands both sides of the coin uh, so respecting it even if you don't know uh, that domain will always play a very important role listening to customers 
and uh, also pushing them because they don't want to change. So pushing them, but earning their trust so they can listen to you and pushing them in the right direction. Um, but I think the one that stands out is the respect and the uh, desire to learn the domain, especially in the industrial world. These industries have been around for a very, very long time. People have earned their stripes. They have um, learned a lot of stuff that um, software to date cannot replicate um, uh, in software, right? So we still have to respect that uh, until we get to a point where software can replicate everything, but we are quite a, quite a bit away from that. So understanding that, respecting that domain is uh, something that has played um, a big role in my uh, career. So spot on. And these are the most relationship-driven businesses uh, I've ever seen. I'm obviously biased to the category, but they they've built, you know, a hundred, if not thirty to forty years worth of. Um, relationships and trust that you have to build. So couldn't couldn't agree with that one more strongly. Now, Usman, for the founders out there who have decided to raise venture capital and go down that path, um, with your role now at Honeywell looking for partnerships, um, want to kind of tease out what gets you excited about new early stage entrance into market and, and maybe to, to make that question a little bit more crisp. What are some things that make those startups successful in approaching Honeywell for those types of partnerships or any common challenges that you usually see that um, maybe you could point out to help people avoid as they as they think about Honeywell as a partner? Like the, um, when I look uh, for smaller companies um, as partners, uh, I'm looking for commercial success and commercial success for both parties. And so I have wearing that hat, uh, generally these companies are very small to move the needle for Honeywell, but they can bring some capabilities and traction in a space that we might not be in or we might not have the capability. So, th- uh, so the early stage companies or even late stage companies can think about putting Honeywell's hat on and being that commercial partner. In the end, it's all about commercial success. If you don't get commercial success, um, nothing really works out. So uh, that's um, um, that's my one fundamental uh, feedback is to not get uh, sucked into what's best for you. It's just what's best for the partnership because that's the approach I take into partnerships. What's the what's in it for me, what's in it for uh, the partner, and what's in it for the customer. In the end, all three have to check and be win-win-win for all three. If it doesn't happen, then the partnership is not going to work. So this, the the partner has to think about Honeywell as well and how can it move the needle um, significantly. Uh, with that mindset, I think a lot of the things can happen very quickly and under- taking the time to understand what Honeywell does, where the pain points are, and building that trust. Uh, but in the end, it's all about commercial success in the marketplace. And and do they, for commercial def- success, to define that, do they need to be at the point where they have calculated and have clear use cases of of an ROI? And I know um, oftentimes that, that that one gets left out of the pitch deck, but it's it's critical that you are showing the ability to impact Honeywell commercially, like you're saying, do they need to be at that level of um, identification of the value prop they're bringing? 
for the most part, yes, but they don't have to, right? The there could be some projections of what the value could be. Uh, mm-hmm. We do partner with tech, the purely technology players where the the ROI is embedded in our big solution. So uh, as a rule of thumb, yes. As a rule of thumb, yes, they need to uh, understand the ROI, the impact for the customer uh, and for, for Honeywell. But there are several cases where we are partnering with smaller companies where they're just enabling a, a small component of our product and the ROI is not very clear but they are clearly bringing something that they they do better than us or they do better than anyone else in the world uh, in that particular niche. Sure. And, and maybe uh, I interrupted the question on the challenges side, what are some common things that you see um, that maybe they could head off or, or try to avoid as they approach the discussion? I think the biggest uh, thing I feel from a challenge perspective is um, the lack of discipline. You, when you deal with big companies, large companies, uh, there are multiple priorities. There are multiple stakeholders and um, startups stay on it for a while and they get um, some pushback from some stakeholders and, and that conversation fizzles down. The so what I learned being at Spark Cognition and here seeing from the other side, you got to stay on it and engage all the right stakeholders uh, and show value very quickly. So uh, that discipline of sales process to um, to making sure all the right stakeholders are involved and staying on it because it will become a priority sooner or later. So st- sticking with it not giving up because big companies um, things keep moving people move around and a lot of other things happen and you if you take it take a lack of uh, response as a as a no then things will never go forward the other thing that i am doing for startups being on the other side of it i uh, ask for a timeline and say force me to give you an answer, a yes or a no. And I think uh, startups can have that discipline of putting the big companies under that pressure and making making them, a, asking them for a commitment of saying, do, after two months of due diligence or sharing our uh, capabilities and finding the right fit, if there is no fit, please give me a no or a yes. And if it's a no, We'll shake hands and move on, but get a final answer and having that discipline of getting a no or a cadence of moving forward. I think that a lot of startups do wrongly in my mind, and um, some of them are do do some of them do really well, but um, a lot of the companies fail to do that. Love it. That That is definitely the hot tip of today. I, I think that is so spot on. So both sides are understanding if the engagement is going anywhere or not. Um, w- one question off the back of this that we often, it, I've got lots of notes and this is stirring up all kinds of discussion and you've seen it from both sides and we've talked a little bit about business fundamentals, capital efficiency, to your point just now, the tenacity to stick with these engagements because they do take time. So the question is, does the blitz scaling and platform before product mentality that's um, pretty well known in venture, 
Does it work within the industrial ecosystem, in your opinion? Uh, believe it or not, we are in the midst of uh, going through a blitz scale for certain applications. Our CEO had challenged us to act fast, act like a startup, and uh, we are blitz scaling several applications uh, in the marketplace. So I would say it works. It works in the industrial world. Uh, yes, it's going to be different because things move slowly uh, with the customers, but uh, as a company, as a product, there's no reason why we can't blitz scale. Like it. And if you were to put yourself in the startup shoes um, without the resources in the platform that Honeywell has, same answer? If you, if, if you think you're ready for it and you have the capital to spend inefficiently, at, uh, because in blitz scale, there is some inefficiency. So growth is more important than efficiency, right? And if you have that capital and you feel that the market is right and you can, and the winner takes all market, because if you read the book Blitzscale by Reed Hoffman, right? The Blitzscale is not for everybody. You have to be in the right spot, right time to do so. But if, if you are, then absolutely. It's a great point. There is definitely an inflection curve in, in these types of solutions. So um, I like it. There's a there's a good meet in the middle answer on that one as well. Okay, Usman, we, we always end the show with um, a quick quick hitters, if we call it that, rapid fire Q&A, and I'll throw a couple things at you and you give me off the cuff. Um, you ready to go? Yep, ready. What is the one thing, number one thing, you look for when evaluating an early stage digital industrial company to partner with? Ah, good one. I think it's founder's vision, passion, and experience. Great. What is one resource, book, podcast, blog, whatever it may be, you'd recommend our audience to follow within this digital industrial theme? This is not an industrial book, but um, but a good business startup, big company innovation book, Connecting the Dot by John Chambers. I think I read it at a time where I was transitioning from Spark Cognition to um, to uh, Honeywell. So, and John Chambers was very much involved in Spark Cognition. So, learning from him and then moving into a big company, that book really provides a really good framework for uh, as an early stage startup to how you transform big companies. So, I would highly recommend that for the holiday season. <laughs> Yeah, great leader, and he is really helping uh, in the early stage community after his life at Cisco. So I'm a big fan of John Chambers as well. Um, one person who should be on the podcast? I would uh, recommend Murray Granger, who leads uh, Honeywell Ventures. Uh, while one. I'm on the on the business side, uh, he's the one uh, evangelizing uh, Honeywell as a great uh, strategic partner and investor in the Bay Area and all over the world. I think he would be a great person to bring on. Yeah, that group's made some some great investments and also critical to this ecosystem. And then finally, Usman, the best way for folks to reach out to you? Uh, multiple ways. I'm pretty plugged, but uh, visit my uh, website, uh, Uh You can connect me uh, on LinkedIn as well, but uh, website would be the best one. Awesome. Well, uh, just amazing to be able to share the lessons learned from someone like yourself who has the roots in industrials and has lived on both sides of the equation as we've talked about. So just really appreciate you making the time. Thank you.